Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension based in Macomb, Illinois. And today we're joined also by our co-hosts here. We have Katie, local foods educator in Quincy. Hello, Katie. Hey, Chris. Happy May Day. Oh, yeah. It's May Day, everybody. Happy May Day. Happy May Day, Ken, in Jacksonville. Happy May Day. (laughs) So today, May Day... This is like the time of year where like a lot of folks might have planted some of their tomatoes outside only to have them hit by frost or like chilly nighttime temperatures. May Day is the time, though, where I'm starting to in myself like, okay, it's getting close to the time where I can set my tomatoes out in the garden. So today we are talking about tomatoes and we have our colleague with us, we have Andrew Holsinger. Andrew is also a horticulture educator. Andrew, where are you coming to us from today? I'm in Butler, Illinois. All right, so Andrew in Butler, Illinois is going to help us talk about uh, tomatoes. And so we decided to start off this podcast today talking about some of the common issues that we usually, you know, we'll get these questions come into the extension office. And so, Andrew, uh, having grown tomatoes and you know we've written a lot of articles together and peer-reviewed stuff uh, with each other here I want to dive first right into what happens when the leaves get disfigured now a lot of times folks will call the office and they'll say hey um, you know they they're worried about this twisting and curling leaves but you know Andrew can you like compare contrast what some of the issues would be when it we start seeing some of these twisted or rolled leaves on our tomato plants Sure, there's sometimes it can be a problem and there's certain things that can affect your tomato and one of the things that can highly affect your tomato is herbicide injury uh, particularly from 2,4-D and so you will see some twisting and contorting of the leaves whenever that happens is that something to be cautious about but another uh, physiological condition is physiological leaf roll And that is uh, kind of particular upon uh, which cultivar you have planted. I know whenever I've seen the heirloom variety Abraham Lincoln uh, planted, it is more susceptible to the physiological leaf roll. And so it's just with that particular tomato, uh, the leaves tend to uh, roll, uh, especially the lower leaves. And so it... uh, can have some uh, effect with the the pruning but uh, it shouldn't affect the fruit quality whenever you're harvesting your fruit of those tomato plants and then another common thing that we often get phone calls about would be uh, say the the flowers either just start dropping to the ground Um, you know so so Andrew what's what's happening when the tomato plant starts just dropping its flowers like that Well, the tomato, it is a sensitive one to temperature. And so if you have unfavorable weather, your nighttime temperature is lower than 55 degrees or your daytime temperature is above 95 degrees, and especially with high hot winds, uh, the tomatoes don't set fruit. So they become stressed and uh, they just physiologically shut down and you won't see any tomato production especially whenever our temperatures climb. You know, we may have cool weather now, but uh, it doesn't take long for, in Illinois, the temperatures to rise and to to have those kind of temperatures where you're not going to see the fruit set that you would like to enjoy. 
And we saw that last year whenever we had such wet temperatures and then it turned off hot and uh, there was a lag in the amount of tomato production. You know what's interesting is when we encountered, I think this was, it, it happens when we get like these hot, dry summer events. Uh, you know, the drought of 2012 especially, we saw a lot of uh, tomato plants just aborting their flowers, dropping flowers. But the ones that did um, develop, the fruit that did develop on those plants were actually highly, uh, they were like really good, good color. We had good um, flavor, I think, in those remainder of the plants. It was almost as if uh, that natural thinning event that occurred allowed the tomato plants to focus some more of that energy into that remaining fruit that was left on the plant. So I, it actually, for for some of the cases, losing the some of those blossoms were somewhat beneficial, at least in some of the gardens in my neck of the woods. Well, it is a, an issue that we come into as far as uh, productivity, and so uh, that's one of the reasons why the tomatoes are sometimes by the avid gardener pruned uh, for more productivity, so they, the plant will put more of its uh, effort into the, the fruit that you desire to obtain. And kind of one like final issue that we tend to see quite a bit in terms of questions that come into our office is when the tomato cracks, you know, the, the shoulders or the tops of the tomatoes might get cracking there or on the sides. Andrew, what, you know, what, what's happening in this case? Why are, you know, folks don't like seeing this because sometimes it can introduce rot and other issues with the tomato. So is there something we can do to reduce cracking, prevent it? What, what do you have adv advice for that? Well, my advice is uh, the key thing is your soil moisture and also the amount of rainfall that you're having. There's uh, certain conditions called rain check and cracking, as you mentioned. So what happens is there's a difference in the amount of soil moisture. And so as it varies, it will dry out. And then the plant is, that fruit is not able to uptake that amount of moisture whenever we have a rain event and it's not adapted to that, so then you can have some cracking that occurs. And so you want to keep the soil moisture uniform as your tomatoes develop, and there's also some resistant varieties to uh, minimize some of these problems that you may have with cracking. So looking for uh, the breeding efforts to carry you through the season on uh, you know, what particular varieties do well for some of these physiological conditions. I say we have a home gardener who's starting out with tomatoes. You know, what are the like first steps that we need to know in terms of uh, either uh, you know picking out the right tomato? Do you is there a difference between the types of tomatoes, Andrew, or, or what do you think is sort of that important decision process in, in getting a tomato going in your garden? Well, some of the key determining factors are a determinate or indeterminate. So a determinate tomato is on, only going to grow to a certain level and then it's going to quit producing. Uh, an indeterminate tomato is just that it's indeterminate in the amount of growth that it's going to produce and so throughout the season until we have a frost that uh, tomato will keep growing and keep vining and keep producing fruit. So uh, one of the key factors is is to determining what kind of, if it's determinate or indeterminate. And then there's a, a multitude of different kinds and varieties of uh, tomatoes, whether they be a, a salad tomato, the Roma tomato, 
but uh, you can usually tell uh, somewhat about the kind of tomato by the cultivar name. And so if you look at your container type tomatoes, uh, usually they'll start with like a, a patio or small or like there's one Tiny Tim. So you can tell by the, the variety name often if it's uh, geared towards maybe a, a smaller type of tomato. So I have been growing a, it's an indeterminate tomato. The variety name's Juliet, and we've really liked it. Um, because it's indeterminate, you do have to kind of watch the trellising, making sure that it's not just becoming some huge monster in the garden. So Juliet's probably one of my favorites. Andrew, do you have like, you know, your a preferred variety? Do you have something that you guys like to grow and eat in, in your home? I think the celebrity tomato is a, a good variety to, to choose. And there's just an abundance of, uh, you know, tomatoes that are out there. So I do like, uh, you know, just a, a variety of, I, I like some of the heirlooms, like the Cherokee purple. There's just uh, too many to choose from. So it's always good to try a, a new tomato each year and see what uh, is available on the market. I know, Ken, are, are you a tomato eater or just a tomato grower? I can't remember. Or neither. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we grow tomatoes. We use, In our garden, we usually grow paste tomatoes, so we make turn those into sauce and uh, salsa, stuff like that. So we, a lot of times we'll do uh, the Amish paste or Opalka um, tomatoes. And those paste tomatoes have less moisture in them, so when you are making sauce, um, you don't have to cook those nearly as long. And we usually grow a cherry tomato um, for the kids. They'll just go out there and, and pick those and eat them in the garden and stuff. I once thought that we needed like 10 cherry tomatoes and that was nine cherry tomatoes too many. <laughs> yes, yeah, those can get those can get out of control rather quickly. Yeah, and then we have tomatoes there next year and the year after that. It's like it, it, they, uh, they self-support themselves. It's great. <laughs> Gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. Katie, do you do any tomato growing in your neck of the woods? Yes. Um, so I'm finally, I've lived in St. Louis the last couple of years, so I haven't had the opportunity to have a garden. So I'm excited to garden again. Um, and I'm super excited about growing some cherry tomatoes. They're probably my favorite. I think one of the best things about cherries is that you can literally be working in the garden reach over to the your row of tomatoes grab a few eat some and keep working whatever you're doing pulling weeds watering so i cherry tomatoes are probably one of our favorites so andrew there's also sort of these like novel tomato things that we can buy or i don't know sometimes folks even try to make them like in, in their own home. So uh, we were chatting before the show started about some of these. Can you talk about some of these novel tomato things, uh, plants that we can buy and grow in our own garden? Do they do they work? What 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 are they? Yeah, there are uh, some tomatoes that are grafted onto potatoes, and that is because the tomato and the potato are in the same family. And so you might find that you have a tomato. Uh, on top and the potato on bottom and that uh, is not uh, necessarily you know the ideal thing for everyone but it is a, a kind of a novel thing that you could plant and uh, have both the tomato and the potato in the same uh, crop 
That just sounds like a confused plant. Doesn't know whether to make potatoes or tomatoes. I can't imagine that you would get maybe very good of of, of either of those. Not like necessarily the big yields that you would get on just a plain tomato or a plain potato. But that would still. I still do like the novelty of it. I'd still plant it in my garden. I think. See what happens. Never hurts to try new things. That's true. Well, we also got quite a few questions that came in uh, from. Uh, sort of our social media areas that we solicited questions from. So we're going to start with these. Um, so the first thing that we did get was from Kelly. Kelly is in McLean County, and she wants to know, what is the best staking system for tomatoes? So what do you guys think? So for staking your tomatoes, uh, you have a couple options. So you have the traditional options of tomato cages, uh, which you can buy those at the store. Or you can create your own. So I've seen some um, templates online for making some wood cages. Uh, that's something that we're kind of looking into this year as the tomato cages from the store can kind of become um, flimsy and over time give out. Uh, you could also make some cages from concrete reinforcement wire. Uh, so oftentimes uh, contractors will use that uh, for reinforcement whenever they're pouring concrete. So if you have access to that, that's a good option. Um, another option for staking would include uh, using wood, bamboo, or T-post. Uh, so some plants will grow up the, the post and that provides support for them. Um, oftentimes with tomatoes, you would do this with an indeterminate variety and you would need to attach it to the post in some way. Uh, but you don't want to hurt the tomatoes, so um, pieces of like old clothing or fabric uh, work well for doing that. And then we have the basket weave method. So you can place a stake every about two to three plants uh, and take twine and weave the plants um, in supporting to the stakes. Again, there's some nice tutorials online that show this, and it's a pretty simple method. Uh, so there's lots of options, and uh, you can kind of decide on what you have access to as well as what your expertise level is. So one thing I would add to that is if you're making your own cage, um, you know, if you're using like kind of garden fencing, something like that, making sure those holes are big enough uh, to get your hands through. Uh, one year we did that at our house, you know, we just needed to make some cages real quick because we didn't have enough. Um, and I could not get my hands inside the cages, so we had to cut holes in it. And then you're scraping up your arms because the <clears throat> get little chunks of metal hanging off. And Or if it's a real big tomato, you can't get it out of the hole, so you got to kind of work it up the top. So making sure those holes are big enough to get your hands in and out and tomatoes in and out of this is an important thing. Don't over Don't overlook that. And I would second what Katie said about the uh, what's marketed as tomato cages. We did that our first year, putting in tomatoes in our garden. We, we just bought some tomato cages. And it did not take long for the tomatoes to just sort of eat those cages and grow through them. And the, the welds broke on the wire. And, um, yeah, so I, I would definitely look into something a little bit more sturdy or stronger for some of these bigger tomatoes that we grow. All right, our next question comes from Emily. Emily's in Macon County. Uh, that's out over in eastern part of the state uh, near Decatur. So um, Emily wants to know what sort of different 
things do you have to consider when growing tomatoes in containers? So I think, Andrew, you've done some, some work on this. So tell us a little bit about growing tomatoes in containers. Okay, Chris. Well, the first thing I think about when it comes to a container and growing any kind of vegetable are the drainage holes. You need to have adequate amount of drainage for the tomato plants and the choice of your container is also going to affect the amount of moisture that leaves the container or is maintained with that container. So that can affect your watering practices and so usually tomatoes are going to need to be watered at least once if not twice uh, during the day whenever they're grown in a container situation. It's also important to have a, a soil medium that is not uh, a field soil or a garden soil. Uh, you want to have good drainage but uh, whenever you have those store-bought uh, mediums that you would provide to that plant they're also free from disease and that's uh, one thing that gets uh, tomato plants is diseases and whenever the water is splashed up from the the soil it can uh, infect the the plant with a disease so also thinking about uh, you know the size of the container so the container will need to be adequate for the size of a tomato plant which is typically about five gallons of volume for the soil so those are all things to consider when it comes to containering garden for tomatoes and we're going to be resorting to doing a lot of container gardening this year in our, our new place because our yard is mostly full shade except for the stuff on the back patio it's pretty much the only full sun location we have for our tomatoes and peppers that we're hoping to grow and i would say for tomatoes for your containers you probably want to pick to the smaller stick to the smaller determinant types um, some of those indeterminates you know they keep growing throughout the year come august september you're going to have some monster plants that, that may be struggling uh, to survive in a container if you don't have a real big one Next question, we have Mark from McDonough County. He is asking about uh, his tomatoes. They always die from the bottom up. What can he do to stop this? And uh, sounds disease-related. Ken just got an article on our Good Growing blog about tomato diseases. What do you think, Ken? Yep, so there's several different kind of fungal diseases we'll get in tomatoes. Um, usually our two more common ones are going to be our septoria leaf spot, in our early blight. Uh, a lot of times, if you're growing tomatoes um, in your garden year after year, particularly in the same spot, um, those, particularly those two pathogens, those can overwinter in the soil or on plant debris. Um, so those are kind of already in the soil. Um, and then as your plants are growing, we get rain um, or you're watering that, those pathogens in that soil can splash up onto the leaves, um, infect those. So typically we start seeing those disease showing up on uh, the lower leaves first and they just kind of work their way um, up the plants. Now, it is also common, you know, as your plants get older, as those bottom leaves start getting shaded out, sometimes those leaves will naturally die off. Um, but if you're starting to see leaf spots um, and they're you're kind of turning brown and stuff and that progresses up, more than likely that's going to be a disease. Um, one of the best ways to prevent or kind of slow this down or prevent it um, is to mulch um, your tomatoes. That will help prevent some of that rain splash, that soil um, from, that may have those diseases in there from splashing up onto your leaves and infecting them um, kind of creates a barrier there. Um, if you know, if it is a, uh, a leaf pathogen or a tomato disease, you know, knowing what type it is, uh, wh which pathogen that is, if it's septoria, is it 
um, early blight, something like that. Um, if you know what it is, then you can look for resistant varieties. So trying to find um, a tomato that is going to be resistant um, to one of those diseases to kind of help um, prevent that those plants from getting infected. Um, some people will kind of will start removing those lower leaves when they start seeing those leaf spots show up. Um, that can help prevent those that splash from those lower leaves up to the higher leaves so it doesn't work up uh, the plant quite as quickly as well. Um, and there's always, you can always go, once you start seeing those spots show up, um, you can always apply some fungicides uh, to the plants. So those fungicides aren't going to get rid of the problem on those leaves that are currently infected, but it can't protect that other foliage uh, from getting infected and kind of prevent that spread throughout your plants. And then we have another question. This one comes from Facebook that didn't have a location associated with it. So, um, but we do know uh, this is Bernadine's question. She has been growing Roma tomatoes and they have had rotten ends. She wants to know what is this and what can she do from prevent to prevent this from happening uh, this year? So Katie, what, what do you think is going on here with the Roma tomatoes? Yeah, so this sounds like blossom end rot, um, which isn't actually caused by a disease or insects. Uh, it's actually commonly believed to be caused by a deficiency or low levels of calcium. Um, but it's also considered to be caused by stress during the growing season. Uh, so one way to, or one of the best ways to prevent this is to prevent stress that the tomatoes might uh, encounter. Um, one of these things is planting at the right time. So wait until, until soil temperatures uh, are warm enough and that way the plant roots um, will grow and be able to take up water and nutrients from the soil. It's also important not to over fertilize or under fertilize. Um, so if you apply too much nitrogen, this can increase plant growth um, and then that diverts energy away from fruit development. If you don't fertilize enough, that's uh, not providing the, the plant with enough nutrients and it's not going to grow and develop as well. Another thing that you can monitor or watch is your watering practices. So avoid frequent shallow watering, instead uh, water deeply. So I think it's about um, one to one and a half inches per week is what a tomato needs. Uh, so ensure that your soil is not too wet, but also not too dry. And again, uh, similar to what Ken said, is you can mulch around your tomatoes and this will help maintain your soil moisture and so that way your soil won't dry out too much. Um, another thing that you can do is if you do see blossom end rot on any of your tomatoes, the best thing to do is to remove that fruit and discard it. Thank you, Katie. And then we have one last question. This also comes from Facebook. This is John. Uh, he wants to know, uh, last summer, he saw stink bugs on his plants, and then his tomatoes uh, started getting all these different types of spots and discoloration on the fruit. He wants to know, was it the stink bugs doing this? So, Ken, what, what do you think? What was happening here? Uh, there's probably a good chance it was the stink bugs. So stink bugs are some of our sucking insects, so their mouth parts are kind of like a straw. Um, they will stick those into the plant, and in John's case, into those tomatoes, um, and they'll start sucking the juices out of those out of those fruit. Um, a lot of times you'll start getting these kind of depressed 
um, areas where they fed. Um, a lot of times, if you cut that open, it's kind of a hard, kind of almost corky. Um, sometimes it can get discolored. So if you've got all kinds of dimples all over your, your tomato fruits and you've had stink bugs, more than likely um, that's going to be the cause. But there are some diseases we can also get um, on our that are kind of specific to our tomato fruits. So anthracnose, um, there's some bacterial diseases that we may get um, on our tomatoes as well, but those are typically going to be um, more discolored. They're not going to be necessarily kind of that, that dimpled area um, on our fruit. So if you've got stink bugs and you're seeing dimpled areas um, or your, your fruit are getting misshapen, um, I would say it's a pretty good chance it's from your, from your stink bugs. Um, so then if you do have issues with stink bugs, um, you can, if you only have see a few, if you only see a few here and there, you can go out and you know, try to hand pick those off. They are stink bugs. They call them stink bugs for a reason. So they do smell. Your fingers may smell a little bit after that. Um, and if you have, you know, quite a few problems, you may have to go um, pesticide route and start spraying. Um, try to keep those populations down so you're not getting too much damage to your fruit. Well, thank you, Ken and Katie, for, as always, providing your expertise and uh, helping to answer these questions that we are getting from uh, online. And also, thank you, Andrew, for being on the show today. Hey, it was a pleasure to be here. All right. And something to keep in mind, folks, that we, all four of us, we are going to be doing webinars coming up and we have them scheduled. And Andrew is actually first up. He's going to be talking about uh, how to uh, start growing in our containers. So how to grow some garden produce in our containers here. Uh, Ken's, and that's going to be on May 6th. You can register for that online. We'll have a link to our registration to that in our uh, show notes here for the podcast. And also following up next week, uh, May 13th, Ken will be talking about good bugs in the garden. Then on May 20th, I will be getting into landscape safety, making sure that we're not uh, getting hurt outside and watching out for some of those hazards that we might be dealing with in the landscape. And then finally, Katie will be bringing us home with mulch options for the garden, and that will be May 27th. And once again, we'll have those registration details in the link below for our show notes. And we just want to thank everybody for uh, writing in questions to the show. If you do have other questions, you are more than welcome to reach out to any of us, and we're happy to answer those or read those on a future show. So, well, as always, keep on growing. Thanks for listening.